everybody, quick announcement before we get to today's episode off and running. We, uh, I had a mix-up where I was using my computer mic instead of the fancy mic that I have, so ap- I apologize for the quality issues of my voice. We'll have that fixed next week, but I uh, hope you enjoy. The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. Uh, This week we're going to be covering the February 12th episode of AEW Dynamite, originating from Austin, Texas. My name is Joel, and I'm here with Mike. And uh, before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, dude. I uh, second week of lifting things up and putting them down has gone much, much better than the first week. I am no longer crying every time I move. And I don't want to dive deep into to the segment but i am personally offended with the whataburger slander tonight and as a former texan i am i am pretty heated so we will we will get to that later when we discuss the evil dentist but man that a lot of things personally attacked me tonight you know i'm a big big whataburger guy I was a big texas longhorns fan growing up always like the state of texas in general minus you know ted cruz but it just (laughs) that one segment i was just so so angry so uh, i'll try to keep it cool here for the rest of the show but i really just wanted to go get a cheeseburger and some fries and and stuff my sad face so i feel like every region has their you know upscale fast food burger that they all claim is like magically delicious and it's it's all just the same stuff and I know not when, you, not when you have the spicy ketchup from Whataburger, man. Like it's it's different. It's special. Everybody says that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've had in and out and it sucks. Yeah, we're going to lose listeners. in and out sucks. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. It goes Whataburger and then that's it. You know, in terms of the you fast food burger cookout game. Guy, so, well, yeah, yeah, cookout's amazing too. But the, the burger at Whataburger just makes cookout taste like McDonald's. You know, and not and not the McGangbang we used to get at the McDonald's and Boone. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to edit that out. That's shameful. Oh, really? We got I want to keep the McGangbang in there. It's a McDouble with a McChicken inside of it. You're welcome, people. You're welcome. Yeah. No. Shameful. <laughs> Whatever. Leave it in. Yeah, how about, uh, how about so you, like, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm three days away from running my marathon, so that's kind of. Is this your uh, first marathon? It is. It's my first marathon. I've run several half marathons. I've run lots of 10 milers and five milers and, you know, 10 Ks and five Ks and all kinds of other smaller races. So this is definitely, you know, the biggest uh, challenge that I've taken on and uh, starting to question my sanity and why (laughs) I decided to do this. But um, we won't be questioning your waistline anymore. You you look great, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's on your uh, what's on your running playlist? I I listen to the the weirdest crap imaginable Eclectic when I'm, Matt Mitch. When I'm yeah. running. Yeah, like some of it, some of it's like you know your standard running stuff that you would expect, like you know some heavy metal and some some classic rock. Um, but I also have stuff like um, the Decemberists on my. I, I love the Decemberists. Death Cab for Cutie and stuff like that. Okay. It's like it, it 
it's great music. It just doesn't really seem like stereotypical running music, something you would expect. So, but really, I just I like anything that gives me energy and and hypes me up. So, at this marathon though, I I don't know how much music I'm going to be listening to. I've gotten into the habit of running with uh, Pacer. The races that I go to, they have uh, organized pacers that'll run at a specific speed. And the the last half marathon that I ran, I ran with a pacer the whole time. And we just talked for, you know, two hours. And it went by really, really fast. So I'm going to try to do that with this marathon. Hopefully it doesn't feel like running <laughs> two hours. <laughs> Oh, if I could run a marathon in two hours, I would not be doing a podcast. I would be, you know, a professional athlete. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, that's that's what I'm up to. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that because like you can run and talk. I didn't want to start the podcast right away after I walked up two flights of stairs. I just <laughs> I needed a se- and I'm in pretty good shape, but I needed a few seconds to make sure I wasn't like. <gasps> through the mic. So uh, you're a better man than I. I. I have on my running playlist, keep in mind, I'm only running five minutes at the start of my cardio just to get used to it again. So it's just like two plays of uh, Judas by Fozzie. And <laughs> it's so catchy. Um, but I think on that note, how about some results from tonight, man? Yeah, let's get right into it. So uh, the show originated from Austin, Texas and started off with uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page getting a pinfall victory over SCU in a match for the tag team titles. Uh, next up, there was a segment of JR interviewing Santana. Nice vignette from Darby Allen, uh, building off of what he's been up to. And then we had Dustin Rhodes getting the win over Sammy Guevara. Uh, a great interview between Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker. Uh, the big news of the night, Nyla Rose getting the pinfall victory over Riho for the Women's Championship of AEW. Talk more about that later on. A promo from Jericho in which he announced that Jeff Cobb was going to be his hired assassin coming in to take out John Moxley. And then we had MJF getting a pinfall victory over Jungle Boy with uh, Brandy coming out on commentary. Got another uh, vignette from Pac threatening Kenny Omega and uh, promoting their match coming up in a couple of weeks. And finally, the main event, Moxley getting the pinfall victory over Santana in their eye-for-an-eye vendetta match that took place. And, of course, the post-match beatdown from the inner circle uh, and the debut, AEW debut, of one Jeff Cobb, who delivered a tour of the islands and uh, that seems like a great place to start. So why don't we get right into stock up, stock down and tell me, I'm sure this must be stock up for you. Jeff Cobb on AEW. Oh, Talk to me. man. I love me some Jeff Cobb. And with all the Brian Cage, Matt Hardy rumors over the last few weeks, like Jeff Cobb was not on my radar at all. I knew that his Ring of Honor contract had expired, so I knew that he was a free agent, but I just was, I did not have him in my mind. And when they said Jeff Cobb, I lost it. I, I texted everyone but you because I wanted, I wanted to keep this reaction natural, but I texted the handful of friends that I know who watch AEW. He's like, Jeff freaking Cobb is awesome. And just, just to give you a little bit, uh, a tale of the tape of Cobb, we, we've talked about bo- body diversity. 
for the last six weeks about how the men's division needs more of it, more of it. Well, Jeff Cobb is, well, he's not the tallest man. He's only five foot 10. He's 263 pounds. 37 years old from Honolulu, Hawaii, has been in Lucha Underground, PWG, Progress Wrestling, NJPW, Ring of Honor, countless other promotions throughout the world. He's a former Lucha Underground champion, never openweight champion. He is a Battle of LA champion, which if you follow PWG, that's their yearly tournament. Former ta- PWG tag team champion with Matt Riddle as the Chosen Bros, which is such a cool name. Uh, and at last year, he was PWI's number 23 on their top 500 individual wrestlers. And he's a former Olympian. So this guy has skins on the wall. We've seen him. God, did you introduce me to him? I think you must have. It must have been when we went to WrestleCon in Orlando. So I think we saw him for the first time together at Pancakes and Pile Drivers. He yeah. had a match with David Starr. And when David Starr was doing his whole long, drawn-out introduction with all of his <laughs> 17 nicknames, there's Jeff Cobb just standing in the corner, putting a finger out for every time <laughs> David Starr came up with a different nickname and then just kind of shook his head and shrugged. And then the two of them had a fantastic match. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, he's not incredibly tall, but dude is thick. And two C's, he, two C's. He is muscle bound. <laughs> I mean, you know, there there are a couple of other kind of short and stout wrestlers with Evil Uno and The Butcher. But none of them have the muscle definition, the power that you get from Jeff Cobb. And uh, seeing him in person is a totally different animal. He's he's more impressive in person. But I think he adds a lot to AEW. And I think that it, it's very exciting that he's here. And I'm curious to see, is this going to be a long-term alignment with the inner circle? Or is he going to be more of a gun-for-hire and someone who we could see getting involved on behalf of heels throughout the company, not just being associated with the inner circle. Um, if it's in addition to the inner circle and we're just growing that faction, I'm here for that too. Uh, but it could be more than that. It could be some some other things. So a lot of potential here. He moves like a cruiserweight who just happens to be 270 pounds. He can hit that standing moonsault, which... I'm always impressed when smaller guys can do that, like when Ricochet can hit that stuff. But, you know, a guy this size be able to do that stuff. And we obviously saw him hit his finishing move, which I think is one of the best finishing moves in professional wrestling. The the islands. Oh, my God. It's so insane. And when you have like because he's literally he's, he's almost heavier than everyone in AEW outside of maybe two people. So he can hit that on literally anyone in the company. And what I really like about, about his signing, and I hope it's not just, you know, one off or anything like that. I hope like AW tweeted he's all elite. So I'm assuming he signed a deal, but we're going to be able to see him wrestle with some of the smaller guys, do some of the crazy spot moves, but then he can wrestle from on top if he needs to, which I think is one thing that we, we've been missing from AEW, you know, that size and the ability to, um, really, really, uh, muscle other men around. So. Huge stock up for me. I am so excited. I, I, it's probably one of my favorite indie wrestlers. And if you get a chance to see him in person, we saw him in, we've seen him in WrestleCon. God, I've seen him in WrestleCon like three or four times. You've seen him twice. And I think maybe other than Brian Cage, there's not a wrestler that 
blows your mind more on the indie scene than than Jeff Cobb, just because you don't expect what you're going to get from him because he's such an athletic freak. Yeah, he's and, really um, impressive. Yeah. So, and related to Jeff Cobb, uh, let's talk about the main event a little bit because he definitely played a part in the post-match beatdown. I love that this main event was essentially a gimmick match without the gimmick. You know, like it, it wasn't announced like, oh, hey, you know, we have to do X, Y, and Z. But with both wrestlers having the eye patches, uh, it definitely created a dynamic to this match that we haven't seen, really. I haven't seen on TV in a long time. And what I, re- <laughs> side note, I really love that they both had very like differentiated eye patches. Um, I liked how Moxley still had the black one, but Santana's had like the red, white, and blue Puerto Rico theme to it with a bandana wrapped around his head too. So like, it just looked like it was just a really cool look, really cool vibe. And I loved how they were basically both blind at the end. But when they're just kind of having their arms around trying to find someone and then just the explosiveness that Moxley ended that match, just yeah. the massive paradigm shift uh, to Santana. Well, and Santana sold that really well. It, it was a really great setup with them kind of fumbling around trying to find one another. And then when they finally do, you kind of expect them to brawl a little bit and, you know, throw some fists. But no, it's just one Done. kick to the gut, paradigm shift, one, two, three, match over. So that was really fun. And there were there were some really interesting and unique spots in there. I liked Ortiz getting involved and Mm -hmm. uh, sneaking up on Moxley from behind and uh, delivering or attempting to deliver a shot with the the mad ball and then getting caught by the referee. And, you know, just some really great stuff uh, throughout the match from him working as more of a manager type role as Santana had that one on one match. So really good stuff there and then of course it all all led to that beat down from the inner circle and something that i thought was really interesting i don't know if you noticed this was nobody came out to help moxley and you know we had talked about previously how they had had some other people get involved and you know i didn't really care for how that affected his lone wolf persona and image I liked Moxley just taking the beat down here. I thought it was really good. It was brutal. (laughs) It it was. And, you know, I I think that kind of thing is good for his character. So um, I was pleased to see that they didn't have Dustin come out ahead of his match with Hager and, you know, try to get involved or the Bucks or Paige and Omega or anyone else. They just let it happen. And I think that was a much better decision from a storytelling perspective so i was glad to see that yeah and it it continues uh just the great work they're doing building up these characters in the inner circle sometimes you get factions and the sole purpose of the faction is to elevate the leader which can work and it's a good thing but you know look at what we've seen in the last few weeks we've seen ortiz and santana both have singles matches we've seen maybe the two best promos of the year from santana last week and in that interview today which Seems like a real baby face interview if we're, if we're being honest about, you know, my dad being blind and I lost him early. We see Hager finally, finally getting a contracted match in AEW. And I love how that was built up from a long time with uh, Dustin. And then we have Darby mimicking Sammy's little, you know, postcard thing with you busy on the 29th. Like each of these guys are getting their own little storylines. While still connected to the inner circle, they're they're finally developing on their own, 
And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like I was excited when Santana and Ortiz signed with AEW just because I knew of their reputation from in-ring workers. But in the last two weeks, like I'm really interested in what Santana can do as a, as a character, as a potential solo competitor. And I would love to see them build on that because his interview with JR, I thought was fantastic. So in general, like if, if AEW's sole purpose of bringing Jericho in was to help make stars, well, shit, he's got four right there that he's helped make big, into bigger deals when, than when they first walked through the AEW door. And wow, that was a struggle to get out, but I made it. <laughs> so I, I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah. I, so yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's, everything seems to be working with the Inner Circle right now. And I'm just really excited for all, where all of them are going. And if we get Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen at Revolution, show Steeler. Like, just let those, give those guys 20 minutes and let them flip over everything. You mentioned how the different members of the inner circle seem to have kind of made the leap recently. And I, one of the notes that I made this week as I was watching and kind of analyzing the show is, there's been a dramatic improvement of the young talent. You know, there's a lot of young people mm-hmm. on this roster. And, you know, you don't always see the gradual improvement over time, but it reaches a milestone or a benchmark when suddenly you look at somebody like a Jungle Boy and it's like, wow, you have gotten a lot better even since October, even since the events that were going on over the summer yeah. where we first got exposed to some of these talents. And, that gives me a lot of hope for, for AEW moving forward. It really appears like these folks are going to continue to get better and better and more confident and more well-rounded as performers, where some of them, you know, the ring work has been there from the very beginning, but maybe they weren't as good on the mic. Well, we're starting to see them bloom on the microphone or with someone like MJF. Obviously, he had the microphone and the character figured out. But I needed to see more from him in the ring. We saw more from him in the ring tonight in that match against Jungle Boy. So really starting to see some of this talent come into its own. And it's exciting times. I thought this was one of the strongest episodes of Dynamite to date. Yeah, I agree. And just with the build up to Revolution, then strap in. The next two weeks are going to be insane with all the matches and stuff that they've announced so far. And I think last thing, you know, before we move on to our next uh, stock up, suck down is uh, we, we talked about when AEW first launched before this podcast was even an idea about, well, the other wrestling company has uh, NXT. The NJP, NJPW has their dojo. You know, how is AEW going to develop these young guys, these young wrestlers on both the women's and men's division? How are they going to develop? Um, speaking of younger wrestlers developing, I think. This was Rio's best match in AEW. Um, and then with, between that and her tag match with Omega two weeks ago, like some of the best work I've seen from her. So we, we, we were worried about how they were going to develop these guys while also creating a product that's interesting enough to keep the ratings and make sure this shit doesn't get canceled after three months. So, um, if, if, it feels like we're really entering, uh, really, they're, they're I'm, I don't want to say prime because I feel like they can do way, way more than what they're doing now, but. It just seems like they just keep, they just keep getting pocket aces, and everything is working and developing and growing. So, uh, yeah, just just really, really, really impressed, and I'm so excited for Jeff Cobb. Uh, this Moxley feud with the Inner Circle has been great. Can't wait to see how it culminates at Revolution, and uh, 
yeah. So I feel it's time to move on to our next stock up, stock down. And, and Joel, what do you got for me today? So you mentioned Riho, and I have to agree. I think the match between Riho and Nyla Rose was excellent. And that's why it's got to get my stock up. And how could it not? We got a title change. And we got a title change! <laughs> a really unexpected title change. I really did not think so close to Revolution that we were going to see any belts change hands. And this match was really well put together. They uh -huh. built up a lot of drama. There were some really cool spots. Uh, I really liked uh, Riho running across the table uh, that yes. was set up on the outside. That was really innovative. And she didn't uh, and break it. Yeah, well, you know, if she doesn't break a table from getting power bombed on a table, she's not going to break a table running across it. So uh, I really, I liked that. I thought the crucifix bomb that she did looked really yeah. great in that match. That guillotine knee drop from the top rope looks absolutely devastating. And yeah. the difference the to super me between, Death Valley driver too was oh yeah was a the, crazy the spot. The difference to me between this match and some of the other matches that we've seen in the women's division uh, that maybe weren't as good from a ring work perspective is that every spot in this match flowed into the next one. It was smooth. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that through their interactions that Riho and Nyla Rose have developed some good ring chemistry. Yeah. This match was great. And I was totally surprised by the finish. I was expecting the kind of Superman kick out at the end from Rio there to extend the match, somehow get the advantage back and then come away with the victory. So I, I love being surprised by pro wrestling. And this was absolutely a surprise for me. What did you take away from this match? Yeah, I, I, I was blown away. And when you compare this match to the match they had on the debut episode of dynamite, it's, it's just leaps and bounds more, uh, more smooth, more exciting. Um, I don't know if that's just from the development that they've had, or they just will give it more time, or they're just getting, you know, feeling, you know, more comfortable in their own skins. But either way, it's it, to see their progress. And, you know, that's, you know, when I first stopped, so when I first started watching Raw, I was 12 years old and Raw had been on for 16 years, you know, so it's, it's really interesting to be able to say, okay, we watched this from day one and get to see how these people have grown and how they've changed and how they've developed. Um, and yeah, this match was incredible. And, and Rio hitting the snapdragon suplex on, on Nyla was, was a crazy spot. I love her going to that well. Um, and just the, uh, hey, give it up. First transgender champion in a major American wrestling promotion. So I kind of like that, you know, they didn't really have to mention it. You know, it's kind of understood that how big of a deal this is. And, uh, I just, I'm, I was, really surprised to see the pin and, and the oh remember how we were talking about it looks like nyla was struggling with some of those power spots um leading up to this match that final power bomb holy shit where she like jumped up into the air and murdered murdered rio yeah it's funny like i i mentioned like i i really didn't expect the match to end there I did expect the match to end earlier off of that avalanche Death Valley driver because mm -hmm. it looked so devastating. And the way Rio shot across the ring after landing, like she landed and then she slid about three yeah. feet. And I was like, damn, I, I don't, 
that should be it. That should be the end of the match right there. And when it kept going, I kind of made up my mind that Riho was going to win. So I thought really cool spots in this match. I really enjoyed Nyla going for the one-winged angel as kind of a, you know, that's Kenny's move, and she went for it. And, of course, Rio escaped, but really cool to see that continuation of the storyline from last week where yep. she was kind of quasi-involved in the Pack and Kenny Omega feud that's going on in on the men's side. So just really good stuff. And this match, if you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. It's huge. It was a big deal and just carried off so, so well. Was was this the best women's match in AEW so far? Um, I don't know if I would give it that. I, I think the the match between Riho and Emi Sakura still is probably the best that match was was just a clinic i mean mm-hmm. the the technical spots that were in that one but this is right up there i mean it is really solid really great action they told a good story and you know the result was surprising and, and also somehow felt necessary at the same time so yeah. uh, i'm excited to see you know maybe we get a rematch at revolution or maybe nyla's on to the next person i know that AEW isn't necessarily doing the guaranteed rematches um, off of titles. So, you know, the door is kind of open to decide maybe it goes to, you know, Nyla Rose and Britt Baker or Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. Uh, So there's a lot of potential and possibility, but, you know, just really good stuff. Yeah, I, um, I I was not expecting a title change. And I even wrote, in my notes before the match started, I'm like, no title change because what does Rio do as a non-champion? And I think that's a, a a valid question because she's basically been their kind of like golden child in that division from the beginning. You know, she uh, was one of the two people who didn't have to compete in the Battle Royal for the championship spot. You know, she beat Cheetah for that honor. And then she's been the champion ever since. And her... Her stories and her matches have been, you know, her matches have been great, but it's not like there's been all this much in the the story development and the character development with Rio. And I'm just worried and I wonder where she goes from here. Maybe Nyla goes on to another challenger and Rio finally goes after Britt for all the slams that Britt's been taking after her. Maybe that's our first real AEW non-women's feud. You know, because we haven't really had much now that the Nightmare Collective has been disbanded. But, you know, it's I'm curious to see how they handle the women's division going forward. I'm a little concerned that do we have any really major established faces to go after Nyla right now? You know, we haven't seen Statlander, obviously, maybe on any of Dark. But we haven't seen Statlander on the main show in a while. Uh, I love Hikaru Shida, and I think Shida and Rose could put on a hell of a match. Because uh, I think Shida brings a little more physicality than, than Rio does. So looking forward to that feud. But um, we, we talked, God, back in early January about how we needed some title changes. And we've gotten two of the three so far. Um, so be curious to see how long Jericho holds on to that AEW belt. But it's nice to get a little freshness uh, in these storylines. So anything else to say about the uh, women's championship match before, before we move on? 
no, I think that that pretty much covers it. So, uh, did you have any any uh, stock down? I know it was a really strong episode, but did you have any stock downs this week? Well, I, I want to talk about something. Uh, I want to talk about continuity in AEW so far, and we got two good examples of continuity to, uh, tonight with the um, Dustin Rhodes and Sammy Guevara match, where they referenced that Sammy was part of the crew that broke his arm, and how. Dustin's been wanting payback from losing on the AEW Homecoming episode. How basically how Sammy has been a thorn in Dustin's side, and how Dustin has wanted to get his hands on Jake Hager from the start. You know, so it, it was a nice callback to that. We also got the continuity with the Darby Allen storyline. I know that was more recent, but I like how we're not forgetting Darby Allen exists while he sells this kayfabe injury. Um, and then there's some things where I'm just like, where are these people? And I don't know if you if you read, but uh, with Brandy coming to the ring last week, apparently that was a signal the end of the Nightmare Collective, and that's just done. Um, which I give them credit for dumping an idea that may not have been working, um, and there might have been some stuff with Awesome Kong, uh, I think health wise, of why they had to potentially move off of that. But you know, it is it is frustrating because we we saw. The storyline and at multiple times he cared a lot, he didn't care at all, you know. So, uh, to just kind of see it disappear without a reference, why I, I applaud them for doing it, it it's frustrating because we invested so much time into what the Nightmare Collective could be. And, and, and I agree, and I think part of it is that to build off of what you're talking about, they're using Dark to supplement some of these storylines. And I don't think they're doing a, a great job on the weekly TV show of referencing important things that happened on Dark. Because there was a whole segment where Brandy went to see her therapist and kind of worked through some stuff that she would have going <laughs> on and determined that she didn't want to do the whole nightmare family thing anymore. And then there was a, a match that um, that Mel had on Dark. And then after that turned on um, Awesome Kong. So, you know, that story that just kind of went away and left TV, it did kind of conclude in a way, not a very satisfying way, but it happened yeah. on Dark, which not everybody is watching. Remember when AW first debuted and we were like, man, we don't know any of these people. And they didn't really care to explain a lot of it at the beginning because they were like, either you know or you don't, but you're going to find out by watching us over the next year. I feel like this is a little different, though, you know, since this was a major established story. And yeah, you know, if I gotta, gotta watch more dark and I apologize that I don't on a regular basis, but um, it's one of those things where like, I feel like you at least gotta put those out there in a way that you have hardcore fans who watch Dynamite, obviously, because they're watching AEW. But um, I feel like that's something you got to kind of acknowledge on the main show just a little bit. And they kind of did tonight with, you know, Brandy coming out apologizing to Excalibur, you know, saying, I'm sorry for what I said before, you know, and just kind of reestablishing herself as a face um, and a member of, you know, Team Cody. Uh, so it, it, when you when you explain, like, kind of the backstory, you know, that, that makes sense, too. And. Um, one, one thing in continuity that I did like was Pac's, uh, vignette where yeah. he says, 
all that stuff that you've been going through, that's because of me. And remember, they teased that whole Kenny losing his confidence, losing himself last fall, and it kind of seemed to have gone back on track with the tag team title win and teaming with Paige. But, you know, that was a storyline we were both like, where's this going? We're so excited to see what Kenny could do with a little, you know, broken mindset or something. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what comes of that in two weeks with uh, Pac and Omega and that that 30-minute Iron Man match that's going to be on free TV. What a a world we live in, man. What a a world. Um, Yeah, I really like that vignette, and it really did. And I think Pac throughout the past couple of months has done a great job of popping up filling up the camera and reminding you that, Hey, I'm still here and you need to pay attention to me. I really love the sinister tone of those vignettes, the black and white camera, the creepy music. And this week, all the workouts, like all the training that Pac is doing. Yeah. I I like the stuff in the gym. I like him just running around at night, like getting his cardio in, in whatever city they're in. Like, that's really good stuff. And it's a great way to show how hard these guys and gals are working to get their Mm -hmm. bodies in shape and be ready for these big matches. And I've never understood why the other wrestling company doesn't do similar type montages. Like they use nothing but clips of things that happened on TV that we already saw. One of my favorite things that AEW has ever done was the Cody training video from the first episode of Dynamite. I mean, that was incredible. And it built up the match so much. And I'm glad to see that they've continued to incorporate the training element into Mm -hmm. some of these vignettes and promos. So. Uh, yeah, really, really good continuity there. Yeah, and, and some of the imagery in that, like, I got very uh, Moriarty vibes from Sherlock Holmes with him here. Like, obviously, you know, being in the UK and kind of the the shots in front of all, you know, older buildings and stuff like that, but just kind of like, I don't care. I'm taking you down. And if I have to go down with you, it's going to happen. Like, it just seems very, very personal and not necessarily logical on Pac's end. So I just really like how he's how he's portrayed and he feels like a special attraction to AEW. Like we don't have to see him every week. We don't have to see him wrestle every week. But oh man, Pac's gonna be on the card. Oh man, that's gonna be awesome. So uh, I just really like how they positioned him. And man, if we get three, four, five more Pac uh, Omega matches, I don't care. They're gonna be great. <laughs> They're gonna be great. Just put them in a best of seven series and at the end, make them a tag team. Oh my God. They (laughs) fucking SmackDown 2003 style, man. Yeah, let's go. Um, So yeah, I I want, you know, talked a little bit about continuity, but uh, what's your next uh, stock up stack down here, bruh? So I actually, I don't have a stock down from this week. I thought this was a pretty much flawless episode of of Dynamite. Uh, So I'm going to have to stock up, maybe stock down on myself here. Uh, because I'm, I'm going to go back on, on some, some stuff that I've said before and give credit where credit's due. I thought Britt Baker gave the best promo she's ever given. And this is coming off of 
you know, kind of building up, right? The past yeah. two weeks, we've seen Britt Baker give really strong promos, just getting better and better. And I think this was one of the best promos, maybe top 10 in AEW so far. Really, really strong. Just perfect command of the stage, of the audience. Her delivery was excellent. Uh, you know, I'm not a big Britt Baker fan. I need to see more from her to really buy in. But this was an excellent promo. I love the use of the dental jargon and yeah. really selling what she did. I love the angle of, you know, my job is to serve the greater good of public uh -huh. health. And that tooth was coming out. I performed a free extraction. So that, <laughs> that was fantastic. And she got absolutely nuclear heat from the audience. I mean, it was incredible. Talked to the crowd all night, by the way. They were yeah. on fire. They were so into this show. Yeah, once again, Austin, Texas, hot crowd, really, really good job. Everybody played their role, which I appreciate. I think that the audience is a big part of a wrestling show. And when the fans aren't playing their part, and playing along, it takes away from the television viewing experience. So mm -hmm. uh, big ups to the Austin, Texas crowd. And never was it more apparent than during this Britt Baker promo. They did yep. not like her. And no, you see that one clear. guy in the crowd just like throwing his entire body into like pointing a finger at her and screaming like the dude, the passion there, the energy there, like. It seemed like a really good crowd tonight, and well, uh, she definitely yeah, touched she, a nerve with the with the Waterburger hate. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and then the balls on her to do the hook'em horns down. Yeah, like like that's the equivalent to like Jericho stomping on the flag in Brazil. Like like it's a big no no in Austin. And like I my parents used to live in Cedar Park, so we were not even that far from the HEB Center, and like. That is burnt orange country, man. You got Texas stuff everywhere. And what I liked about it is like a lot of the times when a, a heel like trashes the city or the sports team, sometimes it's, it's, it seems forced and like the, just the subtle horns down. And then like, it's funny that like the biggest thing you can shit talk in Austin, Texas is <laughs> fucking Whataburger. <laughs> but having lived there and experienced it, like it's a huge part of Texas. Um, you know, literally I have, I follow all these cowboy sports writers and they were getting fights with people from California arguing about In-N-Out Burger all day. So it is a huge deal. And for her to use that, I know it's silly. It's a, it's a burger joint, but for her to use that as a way to piss off the crowd and it kind of goes with her. I want to make people healthy. You know, I, I it's my responsibility. Like, people shouldn't be eating Whataburger, man. It's horrible for you. <laughs> like, like, well, there are some faces in the crowd that just seemed absolutely affronted that uh -huh. she would dare to speak ill of Whataburger. And it was like a mixture of shock and anger. And I just, I love to see that kind of reaction from the crowd. And I just thought this whole segment, even from the very beginning, when she repositioned herself on the other side of Tony Schiavone and was like, no, no. I'm going to stand over here. The light's better. I want to make sure they get my good side. Like that whole unspoken yeah. interaction that took place on the stage. Just masterclass. Really, really well done. And and what I'm liking with her is every week she's adding something new. You know how Jericho's the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. He's, he's the maker of the list. 
you know, now she's a, a role model. She mentioned, I have three degrees. I have two plan A's. I was the first woman signed to AEW. Uh, I am the first dentist in AEW. Like, she's adding this stuff so, like, you can kind of have that, you know, here's the list of all my accomplishments. Here's all of my nicknames, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, like, I was not impressed. I've not been impressed with Brit in the ring so far. I feel like a lot of it's been pretty sloppy, and that might just be chemistry with the other women. Um, but she's slowly becoming one of my favorite promos in the company. And if, he's, if we talked about Britt four weeks ago, we said that she probably would have been a, a major disappointment so far um, compared to the hype she got when she signed and all that jazz. And, man, I, I, I hope for a day where her and Adam Cole are in the same promotion so we can just get badass power couple stomping the shit out of everyone in the company so <laughs> well but yeah I think, just you know her ring work has definitely been a mixed bag but she's shown that when she's in there with someone else who is a high quality worker that elevates her game yeah so she's definitely got another level that she can get to and i'm excited to see more from her as she continues to grow and she's still you know in terms of her wrestling career she's again yeah. one of those younger talents in the company and someone who has a bright future and a lot of potential so uh mea culpa on this one because yeah i, I know i've been pretty vocal in my criticism of, of her work and i think she's turning a corner and so i kind of have to eat my words on this one so stock down to me yep yeah, <laughs> always, always. Um, and I, just props to the to the powers that be to recognize, go, let's let's get her off. You know, she hasn't wrestled in a while. You know, she had the match last week, but other than that, she hasn't wrestled that much this year. But just give her the showcase and really help her find her character because we know what she is now. She is the most evil dentist since Dr. Isaac Yankum. So we get, <laughs> yeah, you like that reference, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Mayor mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. So um, I think on that note, we can transition to our lightning round. We'll, we'll just chat about some of the other things we like, maybe not spend as much time on them. Um, but I really enjoyed the opening tag match. Um, I love that we got the Dark Order uh, vignette before, you know, really before, uh, not the vignette, the, uh, the promo with, you know, Christopher Daniels, we want to look for them. Uh, and a, a little bit of the rumors mill right now. Uh, so Matt Hardy has had his last appearance on the other wrestling show, unless miraculously they come to a new contract. And you, you got to check this out if you haven't, but he posted a YouTube video. It's like the ninth episode in the free delete series. And it's him talking to Vanguard one and just recapping, you know, what's been happening. And he goes, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And then he says, I'm exhausted and just like passes out. So like he's leaning heavily into the exalted one rumors. And did you hear JR <laughs> refer to the Bucks as the Bucks of youth? I did. During that, that run in. I'm like, and then immediately Excalibur goes, things have broken down here. I like, unless they're just trolling the shit out of us. Like, I don't even care if it's the most like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like predictable outcome because i think it, it will work especially since matt hardy owns the broken universe and he owns the rights to all of it um i think it could work great but if not just a fantastic troll job by our commentary team tonight so what so uh, 
my wife brought up an interesting point. We were watching together, and when Christopher Daniels went to the back, she was like, what would you think if it turns out that Christopher Daniels was actually the exalted one? And I was like, I huh, it. I didn't even think of that. But, you know, we've seen what a heel Christopher Daniels can be, and it's fun. So, yeah, you know, that's that's something I would be interested in. I, I want Matt Hardy in AEW, whether he's the exalted one or he's just doing his own thing. Yeah, uh, because I think he's a great talent. And what we saw from him doing the Broken Universe and Impact and the limited stuff that he got to do with uh, the ultimate deletion in yep. uh, Which the other so wrestling fun. company. Like... I, I love that match. And, and I thought it was tremendous everything about it the way it was shot and the silliness of it but also the kind of darkness and sinisterness of it yeah so I, i'm really hopeful that he ends up there and gets to do some cool stuff because he's got a lot left in the tank and i, I didn't yeah. catch some of those uh some of those hints that you mentioned yeah uh, i enjoyed this match too and um oh by the way shout out to how you've influenced my life in my notes, I kept referring to Kaz as Cobb, create a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Same uh, so, letters as typing out Kaz, but I did call. So in this uh, in this match, did you notice on the uh, nameplates as they were walking out that it had the days as champion 22 for Adam Page and Kenny Omega? And then beneath that, it had days sober zero for <laughs> Adam Page and 13,678 for whatever for <laughs> Kenny Omega because he's never had a drink. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And I love oh, the little it, details like that. You got to pay attention to the nameplates because they've been putting funny stuff I, on the nameplates. I know. I, they a did some good ago, ones with Sammy too. A few weeks ago, Adam Page's nameplate said, Anxious Millennial Cowboy. And <laughs> I just thought that was awesome so no all three of those words relate to me in some way shape or form so <laughs> i get it uh actually it, it, similar to the kenny omega not having drank in eighteen thousand something days i i didn't watch dark this week but i watched being the elite and they played more into the uh drinking thing so mm -hmm. you know they did the whole confrontation backstage and then there's a little video with one of the jacksons i think it was matt but don't quote me on that where he's like narrating the sense like oh beer what like what's so good about it and he like he takes a sip and immediately spits it out he's like oh, hope no one saw me i'm straight edge and just walked away <laughs> like really good work so maybe that's maybe that's what we'll do i'll watch being the elite because it's only 20 minutes and you watch aw dark and we'll bring our comments to it so um anything else in that match that uh you liked or, or move on to something else you liked or didn't like from the show uh so another thing and this is really brief i really liked mjf doing the rick flair strut yeah it was good. i don't think anything it else needs him. to be said about that but um just briefly with the flair roads rivalry uh yeah. historic rivalry i think mjf pulling out the rick flair strut feels very appropriate given that he's about to enter into this huge yeah. match at revolution so i like that good stuff um, and while we're on the topic of that match, Jack Perry is awesome, and I'm so excited for his future. He did you notice Scooby Doo was sitting in the front row? I did. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to be like, are these motherfuckers listening to our show? 
Is that why he dressed up as Scooby Doo? Well, I only saw him at the beginning. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is just going to boost Joel's ego because now there's a. Had to have been disappointed that Marco Stunt wasn't on the show. And fuck that guy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I was really impressed with the match. And um, I really. I, so we haven't seen MJF wrestle that much in AEW, like, period, unless he's been doing some, you know, more stuff on Dark. But. Um, He's way more athletic than I thought he was. Maybe Jungle Boy made him look really good, but like some of the stuff he did and the kip ups he did at the beginning when it was like a really fast paced match before he got a little dastardly with Wardlow, uh, I was just really impressed because I didn't think he had that in him. So um, good for MJF and uh, really, really hope Revolution's not the end of this Cody MJF stuff. Like that, like you said, this could be Rhodes Flair and this should go on. Um, I would think for a long time, maybe weave in and out, you know, like Michael's Triple H, how they weren't always feuding and, sure. you know, they were sometimes friends, but just, you know, like we always talked about who's the wrestler that you define like John Cena's biggest rivalry with, you know, like it, is it Randy Orton? Is it Edge? You know, we, we have those guys where we just immediately go to MJF and Cody should be intertwined for the rest of their careers. And in 15 years from now, we should be able to recall, man, remember all the times Cody and MJF went to war? Because um, I think it has that type of potential. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and also, screw him with his, uh, you want a real man and rubbing his dick? Like, this is Cable, dude. Come on. Go away. And I love just <laughs> JR, like, screaming, I was like, come on, show some respect. Like, J- JR, you can't be demanding respect when you call it a. Uh, Probably Ford and Jezebel twice in two weeks. Like, come on, man. Uh, there's that. <laughs> uh, speaking um, of JR, I thought uh, the interview with Santana was a great use of JR. And I think yeah. if they can slowly phase him off of the commentary table and have him be more involved in those types of segments, it's exactly. kind of the same way that the other wrestling company for a while was leaning less on Michael Cole as an announcer and having Michael Cole do more backstage interviews. Yeah. Because uh, I think, you know, they have a similar gravity in terms of the segments that they're involved in. And having that in those backstage interview segments really, really helps. So uh, I also just like that style, right? The two of them sitting in those yeah. kind of director's chairs, chatting with one another. I-, I really enjoy that. And I think it's a great method and delivery system for storytelling. Hopefully no one catches him on fire or gives him the mandible claw because we have some history of that in the other wrestling show. Also, did you hear him say when he was saying, uh, jungle boy's back is spasming. And he says, he said something along the lines like, yeah, when you have Bell's palsy saying spasm that fast is, is, a, is a major milestone. Like Jesus, <laughs> JR makes some self-deprecating humor. Um, but yeah, I like how they've been using, uh, JR in that role. And I like Siobhan, Sh- uh, Tony Shavoni. Tony Shavani. 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 Tony Shavani doing like the on stage and in ring um interviews. You know, if because like when they do some of those backstage interviews, I'm like, who is this? I don't know who's interviewing right now. I don't know who this woman is. Um, it definitely brings some uh oomph when you have, you know, Tony or JR doing the interviews. So um yeah, and just uh I want to see Luchasaurus and Wardlow. I know they didn't even like interact much, but man, talk about Haas on Haas. That that'd be interesting. Um, who 
things that end. I think we might have covered everything um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, did I mention that uh, Jeff Cobb's coming back? Not back, debuting. <laughs> Jeff Cobb's going to be in AEW. Freaking excited. I'm so excited. All right. <laughs> well, think... let's, let's look ahead to next week. Yeah. Pretty stacked card for two weeks out of Revolution. Uh, we're going to get, obviously, the Moxley versus Jeff Cobb match that we've we've mentioned a few times before. I, I, I'm i looking forward to uh, Moxley fighting someone who has the size advantage on him. We haven't really seen that much. He hasn't gotten in a match with like Hager or something. So, And they, they were both in the G1 this past summer. Oh, shit. Did they, did they, weren't they, did they, they square they off? off? Yeah, well, give me one second. So, I mean, so, <laughs> while we're on the subject, I mean, I had seen Jeff Cobb wrestle in person a couple of times. I'd seen him wrestle here and there in Ring of Honor. Uh, but the when I really came to appreciate Jeff Cobb was his run in the G1, even though he barely won any matches, because that's kind of what happens when you're, you know, typically when you're a rookie in the G1, you don't win a whole lot. But he put on some really great matches, and it was a lot of fun getting to see him wrestling in in that level those caliber of matches night in and night out and they were in the same block they were both in b block and on night four john moxley defeated jeff cobb pretty short match nine minutes um but i might have to go back and watch that match want to watch that match before next week (laughs) i feel like we should um but yeah good good catch on that i completely forgot they were both in the uh the g1 so should be a really fun match. Uh, I, I kind of hope that Cobb gets the W. I'd hate for his debut match to just be a, a, a stepping stone for Moxley. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I'm, obviously, I think Jeff Cobb's a big enough star that it doesn't matter. But remember, this is this is his debut to mainstream American wrestling. You know, he's been on Ring of Honor and stuff. But so I just hope that regardless, he comes out strong. So, so we have that match. We have the tag team battle royal, every fucking team. <laughs> and did you notice <laughs> in the graphic, we're getting the Bravehearts back, baby. Stronghearts. Strong, fuck. Can we, can, can I edit that out? Stronghearts. You edit. I, you I, I was close. I was want. close. Okay. We're getting the Stronghearts back. I Screw think we I'm just it. embrace it and make it part <laughs> of the show that you mess up people's names. Yo, it happens every week. <laughs> like every single week it's never been your strong suit it's okay that's why i mean a guy tweeted me he knows i watch aw he's like hey the ref the ball guy who's like the tag team especially ref how come we didn't do the the match i'm like christopher daniels like i I saw that yeah it took everything to not be like no rick Knox, you dumbass i was just so confused and i'm like I was going to send him our Twitter link to say, hey, come listen to our podcast. But now I look like an idiot for not knowing who. Sorry, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling bad for that. I don't need to know every referee's fucking name, okay? I know Aubrey Edwards, and they have some Hebners. So, like, that's it. We haven't it. seen Earl Hebner in, like, no, what, He might just be a pay-per-view guy. Here? Yeah, he might just be a big event guy, which I think it is a good sense. use of him because he has some gravity behind him, so. Every tag team, uh, I believe every tag team is on it. Saw the Braveheart, no, Stronghearts, uh, Private Party was on it. Um, so I'm curious to see a tag team battle royal. Do both partners get eliminated? Or does only one have to get eliminated? 
Um, I'm curious to see how it works. And that's a lot of dudes in the ring. And if I remember correctly, they get a championship match at Revolution, correct? That's correct. Uh, The two teams that will not be in it are the Lucha Bros and Kenny Omega and Adam Page because another match that we're getting this upcoming week is a tag team championship match, fighting champions. So Adam Page and Kenny Omega are going to be putting the titles on the line for the second week in a row and taking on the Lucha Bros, who are the last team to beat Adam Page and Kenny Omega. So this will be interesting. I like the kind of symmetry that they've been doing. Um, And, you know, this week we saw Riho lose to Nyla Rose, and Riho was the last person to beat Nyla Rose via pinfall. And so we could see some kind of symmetry here if, you know, the Lucha Bros were able to come in and get the win and, you know, take the titles off of Page and Omega, which could set up for Page and Omega facing off at Revolution. Of course, that card is starting to get a little bit stacked, so yeah, you know, there might a, not be room for card. that. <clears throat> I, I have a feeling that it's going to be end up Hangman Omega of Attained, and then the Young Bucks win that Battle Royal, and we finally finally get to see them put hands on each other at Revolution. I'm down you know, for that. And, that. and that match would be amazing. And the other match announced on this card is Cody versus Wardlow and the first ever AEW cage match. I believe it was when we first started, maybe on the homecoming episode, I talked about it. I was excited to see how what structure matches, what gimmick matches they can bring to the table. Yeah. So I, there's been no leaks or anything that I know of of what this cage is going to look like. You know, if it comes out and does a standard cage, okay, that's cool. Um, now, if it's Brian Cage, that's even cooler. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really am curious to see if they go different. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be upset if they don't. It's still Cage, you know. It, it can look however it looks. But just to get this element added, and I think the, one of the things that we both hate about the other wrestling company is how, like, there's always a Hell in a Cell match at Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and Sometimes the matches don't really warrant being in a Hell in a Cell. So I hope that they take the lesson of when they use these gimmick matches and these structures that it makes sense. And this makes sense because it's MJF's way to get Wardlow to just beat the crap out of Cody, make him, you know, not able to walk for revolution. So uh, I think it's just a great use of the gimmick. And I hope that they continue to do that going forward. I'm just excited to find out whether or not Wardlow sucks. <laughs> Whether or not he sucks, not whether or not he's good, whether or not he sucks. Um, he just seems I, like he sucks. Like, I don't know. I want him <laughs> to be good, but we haven't seen him do hardly anything. And, you know, maybe no, I, he's really good and they're just protecting him by not having him give anything away. This will be the first opportunity we get to see him do more than, you know, that kind of F5-like maneuver that he did yeah. to Jungle Boy this week. I will say, let's not judge him on this match because I don't feel like this is going to be a chance for him to really like show off like that because I, I feel like it's going to be him playing you know, the role on top and just manhandling him. We may not be able to see if he actually can wrestle, but yeah, I'm curious to see whether or not he sucks too, <laughs> like the way you worded that. Um, I'm surprised we didn't get announced about any Atlanta wrestling legend, but maybe that'd just be too WCW. Um for for aw but yep that's the that's the card that will be and uh man just some like they and then in two weeks we got that 30 minute iron man match i can't wait for that so 
really, really impressive uh, couple weeks on Dynamite. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, thought I was over this. Uh, and and Joel, I guess we'll we'll end with uh, what's it? What's your what's your random observation of the week? Yeah. Uh, so I think this week we discovered John Moxley's uh, biggest weak weakness, possibly his only weakness, uh, which is gravity. Uh, as we saw John Moxley walk and fall face first into the stairs with no prompting. <laughs> Nobody touched him. Nothing happened to him. He just straight up fell face first into the ring steps. And uh, I, I think his future competitors should uh, make a note of that and try to utilize gravity going and forward. And he can't fight gravity? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like his chances uh, in future matches against uh, Pac, since Pac, of course, is the man that gravity forgot. And if Gravity <laughs> forgot him, that's just more attention that Gravity can pay to Moxley. So uh, Man, that's my two cents on that. If the song wasn't copyrighted, we'd open this episode with Gravity by John Mayer. But we're definitely going to get pinged for that. So but <laughs> thank you for that. I, I th- Yeah, thank you, I guess. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, on that note. If you want to follow us, uh, you can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Other Wrestling Show. You can email us at gmail at show at gmail.com. You can follow me personally at Michael underscore Aranda. Yeah, that's it on Twitter. I was having trouble with that. I can't remember mine. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. You know, be, uh, any feedback is welcome and anything, questions for us that you may have. and. We were going to record a very special bonus episode for you, but um, we lost half the audio due to internet. So as Joel texted me on Sunday night, we are officially a podcast since we've lost audio. Um, why that's the case, but you know, it is what it is. So uh, yeah, but give us some follows and, and, and Joel, anything to comment on that? Uh, if you like the show, support the show. And the best way you can support the show right now is to tell someone in your life who likes wrestling. Uh, and wants to hear people talk about wrestling about our show. Uh, we're new. We don't have a big following or anything like that. So any support is helpful at this point. <clears throat> We'd really appreciate it. And we look forward to being a part of your wrestling lives moving forward. And in the spirit of primaries, this is a grassroots movement, guys. We got no corporate sponsors, no corporate donations. Just my Chase credit card. So... Uh, let's let's build this up and uh we'd love to hear from you guys and um yeah on that note uh, we'll see you here next week and uh have a great day remember everybody life's the work duck the clothesline and happy wrestling